0: And, uh, you know, so now I'm like, oh, we're going to become one of those businesses where it's just awful and the service is awful, et cetera, et cetera. You know, then I jump in and I'm, I create drama and that. And it's like, okay, hang on. How do you just remain calm and balanced in this? Have the tough conversations, but still protect the magic of what made us made us succeed. So, you know, that Gives you a bit of insight into (laughs) how erratic (laughs) I can be at times. And I don't mean to, but I suppose I just
1: care so much about it, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And it's very counterintuitive also, also to let go for growth. When we think naturally that if we control this is where the growth will happen. But we do that also in our private life yeah uh, so that's that's i'm I'm not surprised at all you know since i've uh, asked my my guest to take the bottleneck index i've just been talking about delegation and let him go
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it's the most difficult part it's it such seems. a big topic uh,
0: you know and yeah. the work that you do talks directly into what enables us to grow mm. and that is breaking bottlenecks And um, one of the ways in that is letting go to people around us.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is episode 147. My guest started his company 29 years ago. He calls himself an accelerator of dreams for the doers. Orin Klopper co-funded NetSorite with a vision to build a 19 managed service provider that truly helps its customers achieve their dreams. Is so a company that could help employees achieve their dreams too? Today, NetSuite has a headcount of 350 plus dreamers and doers, five offices including New York City and has completed multiple merging and acquisitions transactions three acquisitions in the last year actually, and two are in preparation. Orin is here to share his insight on the three powerful ways to propel your business to massive growth. Breaking the bottleneck through delegation, being purpose-driven and people-centric, and the strategic game of mergers and acquisitions. If you want to break bottlenecks like Orin, has been doing, I suggest you start by taking the bottleneck index. It will help you identify your potential bottlenecks and their impact on your business, and you will receive practical recommendations to overcome them. And by the way, Aurin's bottleneck score was 39%. You can find the link to the bottleneck index in the show notes. Hi Aurin, how are you? Great, thanks, Lauren.
0: Good to see you.
1: Yes, same. Thank you, thank you for joining. So after 29 years of running your own company, I think I think this is twenty-nine years, you must have so many insights and lessons to share. But you know, I'm gonna start by a question I usually ask at the end. <laughs> but in your case, it makes sense to ask it now <laughs> at the beginning. And then you know, just build from it. So sure. if you take all your experience into account as an entrepreneur God, what is the one practical recommendation you would give to other entrepreneurs
0: yeah it's a great that's a great question i think it would it would come down to um you know i look at my at, at the journey i've traveled so i obviously have to talk from my experience and um i think the the this, the, the single greatest learning or sort of and it still persists to this day is is surrounding yourself with the right people mm. uh, there's this great quote by this uh, south african entrepreneur his name is mark lamberti he says nothing defines a culture as much as who you fire hire and promote mm. and um and you know, i even look at i was lucky enough from the beginning you know uh one of the founders of NetShirt had already started selling engineering calculators and computers to friends and family. He invited me to come and sell for them. So we're very different,
1: mm-hmm. like
0: have different unique strengths. And then gradually we just got more and more people that surrounded us um, that are – so I think the biggest learning for me, Laurent, to just keep my answer brief and to the point is – um it's, it's around finding and keeping the right people. And even now, if I uh, add one last piece, if I look at our strategy for the year ahead, mm. um, we we need to do a couple of big hires because from a strategic planning perspective, even as we get bigger, we often end up with more strategies or things we want to do than we can. And the one question that that, that we've learned to ask ourselves that actually... Uh, another entrepreneur I really respect and, and inspired me to share it with us. This is you need for every strategy decision. The two questions we as entrepreneurs have to ask ourselves is number one, is it going to be someone's day job? Mm -hmm. Like, are they going to be focused on us? And number two, are we going to fund it? And, Mm -hmm. um, that isn't going to be with someone's day job is we need to make the right person decision. Obviously when you're smaller, you're doing everything, right? And (laughs) so it's hard, but who that first person is that joins you and then the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth are just so, so important. So that's probably the most, the most important um, experience I could share uh, on the journey that I've traveled.
1: Amazing. But that is an important one. I've been talking to what more than 150 entrepreneurs now, plus the people I coach and they always talk about the people, you know, surround yourself with people, the right people, like, like you said, but then, then if we build from this, how do you know when it is time to hire someone? How do you make sure it's the right person?
0: Yeah. So uh, on the timing, look, I think as entrepreneurs, we've got to balance three things, right? We've got to balance the the right people with delighting our customers, the customers, and yes. then uh, the financial side, which is is profits. And I don't mean that in a in a, in a sort of a greedy fill our pockets way, businesses have to be profitable, yes. so that they can pay their people, that they can pay their bills. You know, so it's balancing those three things, and it's always like if I could, I would always hire a lot more people than we do, but we've got to balance <laughs> those three things, right? Um, and uh, so, how you make that decision? Probably, if I were to refer to to a couple of books, the one that kind of has the it had the greatest impact on the way we hire it's mm. the book called top grading and they've had new editions published but the methodology they use in their lauren is so powerful mm. a couple of things i'll just highlight one is talk they use a method called talk which is threat of reference check and the word threat has a negative connotation but hypothetically i was interviewing you and i would say to you up front Lauren, a key part of our hiring process is that I want to speak to at least three of yeah. your previous line managers, yeah and so and so we kind of get your consent that that's okay, and then I would say, okay, Lauren, when you were at p w c you worked for John, obviously as you know i'm going to speak to John at some point. Uh, what would John say in his experience of working with you were your greatest strengths mm. and then once you've answered that, he would I, I would then say. Uh, Lauren, based on working with John, what would John say your development areas are? So mm. that's that one method that they use called uh, talk. And it's funny if you do that thoroughly. Uh, and in our business, the, the hiring manager or the line manager must do the reference checks. Nobody else. It cannot be outsourced. So if if you were hiring and I was going to potentially uh, you, you report to you, and I was one of your candidates you personally need to phone my previous line managers so that's yeah. like a critical part so it's, it can't be because outsourced because work
1: with you directly and you will work with me we'll, we'll be working yes. together directly so that's that's why you have to do yes. it the manager yeah
0: and then the other method in the top grading methodology is called SIDS which is a chronic a chronological inventory of your past roles so Look, if you take the full top grading methodology, you might choose to take a, 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 a lighter version of it for lower end roles. But if you're hiring senior people, um, the SIDS methodology is great because it asks you to go through every single role they've ever had, mm. including university uh, so it kind of, and then there's a set set of questions, you know, but that being said, so that's kind of the methodology. I think it's a great book, top grading. There's another book, which I'd recommend, which is called first break all the rules by Marcus Buckingham, where they surveyed mm-hmm. 80,000 companies and about a million people. And they've kept that yeah. data updated. So I think it's even more as part of the Gallup research on engagement. Yeah. The key insight they took from that Laurent, was that, uh, people work for managers bef- almost before they work for companies. Mm -hmm. So you could be working for the head of AI at Google and that's as exciting as it gets if you're in the AI field. But if that person is an arsehole and you cannot see a way that you can work for someone else, you will probably leave. Or you could have a three-person business and the person you're working for absolutely inspires you. You feel Mm -hmm. cared for. You feel looked after. It's very likely you 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 will stay you know mm. um, and then there are another twelve questions questions that they ask, but as I'm kind of talking to you, I'm also thinking the world of hiring is changing, mm. and it's becoming you know uh there are like platforms like upwork and platforms like um there are a lot of these different sort of uh, platforms that you can leverage, so my answer talks to hiring someone that will work directly for your company and will probably be managed by you. Um, So that's – and and kind of put the time and energy in would be my last point, I feel, where we are diligent, where we have been diligent as as NetSheret, and we've put the time and energy in to make sure that um, we understand the candidate and they understand us. Because one of the things we said at the beginning of the interview process is if you don't think there's a culture fit, we encourage you not to take the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we talk about our dreams program. And then at the end, we say again, here's your offer letter, Okay. But if you don't think the culture fit is there or you want to participate in our culture, you don't want to participate in our culture, then we suggest you don't take the role. Yeah,
1: this is some great advice. I mean, i just uh... Completely agree with you, and I see that among my 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 clients, a lot of mistake they do. For instance, what you were talking about about the reference checks. A lot of entrepreneurs and this and their managers they don't do reference checks. Mm. It's mm. not while it's so important, like like you said. And then the other one, you know, make sure that not only you know the your, the candidate is a fit for you, but you should be a fit for the candidate. I think it's Jim Collins. I think it is. In we uh, who said, you know, you should take as much time as it as you need to hire someone, and in the meantime, you just deal with the situation as you can. But if you're you know understaffed, but it's always yeah. better to take the time, make sure that you have the right person from the beginning and to make the wrong hire because you know you will pay you will pay the price down the line. Great! And right, so it's a good transition to the bottleneck, and you know, you're, you're, I asked you to take the the bottleneck index, and your score was really good. I think around like just above like thirty percent. I think you, you you scored the lowest on delegation, and I understand why. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> but but this is this is this is what it is, right? When you hire the right people, you avoid the bottlenecks of, you know having everything tied around you you are you put yourself into a situation where you can delegate let them do let them do the the the, the work they are supposed to be doing so that you can focus on something else right yeah so how do you delegate
0: yeah so i am my sort of preferred working style Mm. is um i i like to let go and, you know, so we've got quite a, a sort of um, a, we have a, a relatively mature strategic planning process that we've used yeah. for a long time. I think some years I've overdone it and wasted people's time. And then other years I've underdone it and haven't involved enough people and people don't feel that necessarily bought in. But what is agreed in the strategic planning process is clearly what are we going to focus on? Included in what we are going to focus on is what we're not going to do, okay? And that's sometimes hard because you know we have this long wish list of stuff we'd like to do, and um, so out of that comes a defined scope of what we are trying to achieve with metrics mm. and objectives. We also use the the balance scorecard as a performance measurement system. Mm. So what the strategic planning plus the balance scorecard enables us to do in the, the the working relationship is to let go because some people might interpret a, a monthly performance measurement system as detailed as a balanced scorecard as micromanagement. But I yeah. actually think it's the opposite because what happens is when you're completing your balance scorecard, you're reviewing how you're doing on your own anyway. So you're doing self-management. So by mm. the time it would come to meeting with a person, you you know whether you're on track or not. So from a delegation perspective, you know, I think, I uh, at times I don't put enough energy into uh well not at times. If you look at the upward feedback I get from the people I manage, we've got that section of line management, and they say, oh, Aaron, sometimes you're not clear and I'm not sure exactly what you want. And I sometimes rush and kind of like just just take care of this. So I definitely could learn to be better in being. Because there are things that come out of the outside come up outside of the strategic planning where we're working uh, with agility as a team to get someone to take care of it, but um, my my approach is let the people in my team own it and um, and I try and let go as best as possible and then also allow people to make mistakes so i've you know, over the last year, I think we had in our initial discussion, I spoke to you how in letting go, I, 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 created, um, I dealt with things popping up badly. Mm. So I let go and then problems showed up and I, I did not deal with it well. So I, almost was, I was not allowing people to make mistakes. And to be honest, I was being too impatient and didn't look at enough of the details. So By the time I dug into it, I actually saw things were nowhere near as bad as I thought they were. And no. I reacted badly. And I was rude to one of our key leaders. I, was, I really lost my temper badly. I apologized to him profusely. So, you know, this is the challenge was fast growth and letting go. You know, then you're like, yeah, I knew they would get that wrong. I knew I shouldn't have let go. You know, and yeah, so it's definitely work in progress, Lauren. And there've been times where I think I've done it better than others. Yes. But the one thing I've definitely learned is, the faster we're growing, the harder it is. Is it um, to get this this balance right? Um, You know, so.
1: I, I, would, now, I would think, like with experience, it would get easier, and because you don't have the choice. Also, as you grow, as the business grows fast, in your case, you would have to let go more and and faster, so that the business could experience more growth.
0: Yeah. No. So no. I have, I'm, <laughs> no. No. That's it. Your your logic is 100 percent right, but I suppose I'm also, to be honest, going through, like we're. Probably like I don't know about three hundred and eighty people now.
1: Yeah.
0: I've never led a business of three hundred and eighty people. I've never led a business that's got an office in Albuquerque, which is as far west as we go in the US, an office mm. in New York, an office in New Jersey, an office in Maine, an office in um you know, these locations and offices in Durban and Cape Town. So now the normal where we've got ExCo and it's in office hours between Albuquerque and South Africa, uh the time zone difference during daylight savings is going to be a perfect mismatch. Mm-hmm. So there are all of these things coming up that we're having mm-hmm. to learn and 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 think about. So we're trying to we surround ourselves with advisory board members and we bring in people to give us guidance, et cetera. Et cetera. But um like give you an example, I let go of marketing in the last 12 months. Right. And then I saw that the team was struggling to hire some key people. So I jumped in. Okay. Mm. And now I'm trying to help them hire these key people. Um and 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 I can I can I can I can I can frustrate people and piss them off <laughs> in that as well, you know. <laughs> but like we, we give another example. We, we had a run. We're we, we behind on our retention numbers in the U.S. So we lost more revenue than we should have. So yeah. when we dug into that, there was no clear trend like service issue or anything like that. There were actually really extenuating circumstances. One of our big customers got acquired by a private equity firm, and um, uh, they had an internal IT. And there were various reasons like that. So then I saw clearly for us to stay ahead of our numbers, we need to boost the leads. Hmm. So then I found this AI-based lead generation company, and I could feel that the, 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 the team were like, "Orange, oh, just calm down. Like, we got this, you know? And so anyway, so then I had to kind of from interfering, I had to
1: remember to let go again. Yeah.
0: And, and, they, and they ended up um, owning that that decision so would they they agree with
1: me that if i would ask them they would say they would agree that uh, you become the bottleneck
0: (laughs) yes yes i can i can be the bottleneck you know um even after uh, 29
1: years of experience
0: yeah no for sure and uh you know even in letting go that that book the founders mentality talks about how um you know, there's certain dynamics in that initial business that are part of your magic, are part of why you grow, of why you succeed. Yeah. And often the paranoia in the founder's mind is, well, if I'm if I let go of this, I'm going to lose some of that magic.
1: Yes. You yes. know,
0: and uh, like take for instance our call holding time. Our call holding time has been under 10 seconds on average if you phone our service desk since 2007. Okay. Wow. And there was a point in some, in part of the business where that that was like over it was over a minute hmm. and uh you know so now i'm like oh we're we gonna become one of those businesses where it's just awful and the service is awful etc cetera, etc cetera. you know then i jump in and i'm i create drama and that and it's like okay hang on how do you just remain calm and balanced in this have the tough conversations but still protect the magic of what made us made us succeed so you know that, Gives you a bit of insight into (laughs) how erratic (laughs) I can be at times, and I don't
1: mean to, but I suppose I just care so much about it, you know. Exactly, exactly. And it's very counterintuitive also, also to let go for growth when we think naturally that if we control this is where the growth will happen. But we do that also in our private life. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I'm I'm not surprised at all. You know, since I've uh, asked my my guest to take the bottleneck index, I've just been talking about delegation and let him go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the most difficult part. It's it such seems... a big topic, uh, you know, yeah. and the
0: work that you do talks directly into what enables us to grow, mm. and that is breaking bottlenecks, and um. One of the ways in that is letting go to people around us, you know. Um, and uh, so the the, the 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 focus of your coaching and the work you do talks to the heart of growth as a business, the heart of it, you know. Sure. So that's why I found I found that survey so interesting, and uh, yeah. So it's it's, it's a very it's, it's a fascinating space.
1: It is. It is. Uh, but let's change uh, uh gear a little bit because otherwise, you know, we're going to talk about, about it for the next 15 minutes. Um, you 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 mentioned you know uh, you wanted to you wanted to focus on on uh, the essence of what of of the success of your co- your company. Tell us, tell us what what is it? What do you think you've been that successful? Because you know, 390 staff, it's not bad.
0: No, thank you, and. Um... Yeah, I I I i you know, I always kind of feel um my paranoia shift somewhere else. So I, I haven't yet gotten comfortable with saying we're successful. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I'm just like there are so many other things that we still want to get right. And sure. um but I think if I look at this chapter, particularly since twenty twenty, where we went through this huge transformation internally, uh I, I think our purpose, supporting the dreams of the doers, and the fact that we live that, I believe, not perfectly, in an aspirational way, in our culture and what we're trying to do for our customers, I think that's a big part of the reason why we're succeeding right now. And I'll give you some more context on that. Yeah. So, in in, in, in in 2010, we came up with the the purpose statement, supporting the dreams of the doers. And you might hear that and people are like, what does that got to do with the IT company? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. But the the core of it was we want to have a culture where people feel they can do great work, but they can also lead a balanced life and, Mm. and be healthy and be active. And, and in your, in your survey, you, 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 you're, you're asking these questions in your survey, which just made me think of our dreams program. And, um, you know, so this is the, that's where the magic happens because we can go and be successful as a leader for five years, and then and then uh, we wake up and our and we got a bad relationship with our daughter or son because we didn't spend any time with them. You yeah. know, that's not success, right? You know, so so for me, the the so supporting the dreams of doers, we came up with a purpose statement in 2010, and the focus was people. Followed by the next concentric circle of impact is our clients and the impact. So we thought if we can finally keep great people we will be able to find and keep great clients and do great things for them and, and and I'll say again our culture is not for everybody because what we are assuming in our culture is that you're happy with the idea that your work life and your and your personal life are actually inextricably linked yeah that's not for everybody so what I didn't realize is so we leaned uh, Laurent into acquisitive growth heavily from 2020 we did three acquisitions in 2021 We've done two acquisitions this year and we'll probably do another three to four before the end of February, which is our financial year end. And if I were to single out the one thing, because like choosing to sell your business is a mm-hmm. massive decision. yes, And it is just, and the considerations are the same thing that, that I mentioned earlier is people, clients, and then the financial considerations. And all of these entrepreneurs that are considering selling their business, and I use the word selling, and I put it in inverted commas because we actually provide part of our acquisition is we give them an equity rollover where they Mm. could actually make more money from the equity rollover in the future than they're making now. So they're kind of joining us. Mm. So one of the key considerations is they've got these people that have traveled this journey with them, and they want to make sure that if they do take this next step, that those people are going to be looked after and they're yeah. going to be in a culture that, that values them. Yeah. So our purpose supporting the dreams of the doers has not only helped us find great people, it's not only helped us find great clients, but I believe it's one of the biggest parts of why entrepreneurs are deciding that they would like to join us on this next chapter of the journey. So I think being purpose-driven with a focus on people is one of the reasons why we have been successful and we continue to be um, successful. And then if I were to add a second point, I think we've always tried to differentiate ourselves, Lauren. Mm -hmm. We haven't always gotten it right. And I think, you know, when you talk to people that ask tough questions like you, and you say, you know and you like you probably have a way of saying is that really differentiation and i like those yeah. tough questions <laughs> we you know, like oh, we deliver great service i'm like hmm, is that really differentiation you know so so yeah. we're constantly i think through our strategic planning process each year we ask ourselves the hard questions and we look at kind of the data and the internal and external analysis that we do and like We've we've tried to differentiate ourselves, whether it's through uh, 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 the value proposition of being part of our team, the value proposition of being a customer of ours, or the value proposition of joining us on a journey, letting us acquire your business. We're trying to differentiate ourselves. So we built a differentiated offering now called Innovate, where we have an ROI guarantee. Mm. So I don't think we've always been differentiated, but we definitely, if we are not, being perceived to be differentiated now, there's a plan in the works to let us be differentiated. Um, you know, so I think that's one piece that I think has helped. But sometimes we've not been differentiated and suffered the consequences.
1: Mm. Again, Irene, it's absolutely great advice. The purpose, being purpose-driven, I really believe in that because I've heard it so many times from successful entrepreneurs like yourself. I love uh, start with why by uh, Simon Sinek. Uh, by, yes. by the way, my 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 favorite my favorite one is when uh, people talk about best quality. That's the one I prefer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can imagine you <laughs> can say that a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: But let's talk a little bit about uh, you know your growth coming from mergers and acquisitions because I never had anybody on the show would you believe that, uh, talking about it, that topic. So I am not sure where we should start, actually. Tell me, what should we start? Yeah, sure. Uh,
0: no, I can give, I can give a high-level perspective on it. So yeah. the one way to assess if there is this type of opportunity in your business, if you're an entrepreneur, is to, is, is to look at your market and say, how many companies are there that do what you do? Mm. Okay? And how differentiated is it? Mm. So, so, so the maths of our space, Lauren, and I'll illustrate it through talking about our example, and they can then reverse engineer it into their space. But we there are about twenty thousand companies that do what Nitro does in the US. That includes a small five person organization right the way through to someone that's got thousands of people. So there are about twenty thousand. It's a very, very competitive market. So it's quite this, you know, it's it's what we would call a red ocean. Mm. Now. That is the perfect situation for consolidation. So these 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 entrepreneurs, Laurent, that are in our space in the US as an example, are saying it's hard to get leads because there's so many competitors. Okay. Yeah. You've got artificial intelligence coming that people are excited about, but it's also it's disruption. So it's making people think, okay, like, do I want to go this all on my own? Um a whole lot of private equity firms have focused on our market to consolidate it. So that's another indicator that it's potentially good for consolidation. So we could carry on doing acquisitions for the next 10 years and there would still be a massive opportunity for consolidation um, in the market. You know, so if you're an entrepreneur and you're considering is M&A a potential option for me, um, I would recommend a book by um, Adam Kofi called The Private Equity Playbook, which for me speaks really well to what M&A could look like and how you can leverage the economic force of private equity to succeed. Yeah, Adam Kofi's book, The Private Equity Playbook, is a great book on sort of understanding what the economic opportunity is and how to leverage debt to fund your acquisitions um, mm. So that's that's one consideration. Uh, look, the bottom line is the prof you know, so often as entrepreneurs, what you find sometimes is they're like, I don't want any debt. I want everything paid off. I don't yeah. want any debt. And sometimes leveraging debt strategically in M&A can create a faster growth than mm. organic growth, and nine times out of ten it will. But in the same breath, even if you do do M&A, and you grow by acquisition, you have to protect your organic growth. Because hypothetically, I go from $50 million in revenue to $100 million in revenue, okay? And then someone says to me, Aaron, what's your organic growth inside that? If I'm not organically growing, all I'm proving is that my investment thesis is fundamentally flawed. So when I buy a business, I actually decrease the number of customers and revenue So, Mm -hmm. it's like the worst economic thesis I could ever possibly have. Um, But, yeah, if you've got a fragmented market with lots of competition, it can be a great opportunity for acquisitive growth. Or if you're seeing a disruption coming in your space Mm -hmm. and you don't think you can adapt and evolve your business quick enough, it might be an opportunity to merge or acquire a business that you feel is doing a good job of that. And you look at a lot of these big groups, Lauren, like Cisco have done it for years. Mm-hmm. So, Cisco is an example. They will buy the new innovative company instead of trying to create it themselves. IBM yeah. have done it, Microsoft have done it, and even smaller players do it. You go and buy an agency or a company that does something really well uh, in a space that you're not good at, you're trying to, but you want to be in that space
1: yeah and they become so big that they can't innovate anymore also i
0: think
1: yes yeah all right great advice thank you so what's next for your business where do you want to take it
0: look so we're in the midst of the strategic planning right now and um if i talk bottlenecks okay one of the biggest bottlenecks we have coming Mm. right now is we're buying these businesses Okay, uh, how do we integrate this? Yeah. How do we take the magic of the businesses that are joining us and protect it and even amplify that and align and act as one business in a, in a congruent, well-thought-out way without losing the, 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 the magic of the businesses that we're buying? So that's one of the biggest challenges we have.
1: Mm. Mm. We
0: are nearing a place, Laurent, in probably in the next 12 to 24 months where more people would have joined Netshirt through acquisitions than were directly hired. So that's like a huge tipping point. So if I, if I were to talk to you in a year's time, we did this podcast again or two years time and success would look like if we've managed to evolve our culture so that we're still a great place to work, that would be success. And if we've managed to do uh, the integration in a way that we, we protect the first point, but it also brings economies of scale. It brings additional budget to invest in R&D. It brings better service for our customers. You know, so, so, so let me summarize it in that way. We're going through exponentially fast growth. The, the success looks like if we protect the idea that nature is a great place to work at, and we protect the idea uh, or we can prove that we're still delivering great service to our customers and they're happy with us. Then I would have achieved some level of success as a leader because the, the fast growth is challenging both of those things.
1: Nice. Don't forget the people. Say again? Don't forget the people. No, that's it. It's the most yeah. important. Will you ever stop?
0: Will I ever stop? Mm.
1: No, look, I love what I do. And, uh, <laughs> really? Really?
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no and look next year we're taking on a private equity partner because mm. we believe we need that for their growth but they might not love what i do you know <laughs> and they might choose that someone else would be they might they might I stop do. you that's it <laughs> you know so 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 i would love to i would love to to do what i do for as long as as long as uh, i'm wanted around and i'm adding value. Um, and, uh, I would, I personally would like to never retire, but, uh, there might be some circumstances that, uh, mean that I have to, um, but I would love to do this for as long as possible, uh, because I think I'm managing to juggle the balance as well. If hmm. I wasn't balanced, Lauren, I mean, and I was just burning it for a short-term deadline, then maybe I would say, I would be able to tell you the other things I want to do, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't want to stop.
1: Amazing. Let's, let's conclude on those words. Just one more question for you. How can people contact you? Yes. Yeah, so you can reach out to me on LinkedIn It's probably
0: the, the easiest. It's Oren Klopper on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm super responsive there. And, uh, I share very openly. So if you're interested in our dreams program, I've got about 20 documents I'll send you. I've had a couple of meetings with people that just wanted to pick my brain on what we're doing, M&A and differentiation. I love those discussions. So yeah, LinkedIn's probably the best, one.
1: Amazing. Thank you very much, Oren, for your time today.
0: What an absolute pleasure. Thank you.
1: And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the entrepreneur bottleneck. You can go even further, download my ebook, Eight Tactics to Thrive as an Entrepreneur, to propel your business forward and tackle your bottlenecks heads on. You'll find it on my website, lauranrotand.com forward slash get my ebook. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.